Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Outkick 360 rolls on from the 6th and Peabody Studios in downtown Nashville with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Crew is all here and time to talk some NFL headlines. A lot to discuss going into week four that will be headlined by Brady's return to Foxborough. Here to discuss that and recap everything we saw across week three. John McClain, TexasSportsNation.com and of course with the Houston Chronicle. His name is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's also a Pro Football Hall of Fame selector along with PK. John, hope you're doing well this afternoon. I'm doing great, guys. Thank you very much. Speaking of the Hall, there were several Hall of Famers back in Nashville this weekend as Bum Phillips went into the Ring of Honor for the Titans during a halftime ceremony. You would have loved it. Uh, Wade Phillips on the, on the field along with Bum's family. Uh, and the unveiling there at halftime with uh, several former Oilers for the Oilers uh, throwback weekend. Uh, this was a weekend that you would have loved the Texans to be in town. I had a, a lot of former players with the Oilers send me pictures that they took over two days. And yes, they had a great time there. And I'm really looking forward to the Texans trip to Nashville because Floyd Reese and Jeff Fisher, both of them started in Houston with the Oilers and then experienced their best success with the Titans. They're going to be inducted, and I can't wait for that, and I'm glad I'm going to be there. Well, speaking of Hall of Famers in town, Warren Moon was in town, and thanks to you, John, uh, he swung by. I'll kick the tailgate on Saturday, so thank you for that. Uh, appreciate thank you it. Thank for the shout-out Well, I and, was watching. And, and talking about the game here in Nashville on, on Sunday, John, is there a team that is seemingly – more locked into winning their division based on everything surrounding them in the division besides the Titans when you look at the Colts, the Jags, and the Texans right now? Colts off to their worst start since 2011, the year before they drafted Andrew Luck first overall. First time, of course, they've won in Nashville since 2017. They have a tough schedule. They have the kind of schedule the Texans had last year when they began at Kansas City, Baltimore, at Pittsburgh, Minnesota. They started 0-4, and, and I don't think the Colts are as good. I don't think I picked them to make the playoffs. I had the Titans running away with the division, Colts second, Jaguars third, Texans last. But right now, you know, the Titans, Mike Vrabel's not going to say this, but they should have a lopsided laugher and be 3-1 and one with three consecutive victories. So, I thought they would run away with the division, and I still feel very good about it, although after that first game, I was thinking maybe it's going to be closer than I anticipated. You know, they, they should win the next two. They have the Jets and the Jags, gifts back-to-back, both of those games on the road, but two gifts after the start before they face the Chiefs and the Bills in back-to-back home games. These Titans should be 4-1 and one as they go into October. They should, and of course, those next two games will be very tough, and I don't care what the Chiefs' record is. We all know they'll be there. It looks weird. It looks weird seeing Seattle in last place. It looks weird to see the Chiefs at one and two, but I think because they're quarterbacks, they'll bounce back, and if I had to pick one, 
the most likely to bounce back, it would be Kansas City. Buffalo, where the Texans play Sunday, just blew out Washington after blowing out Miami after getting embarrassed at home by the Steelers. And looking at what's happened to the Steelers, how in the world did they blow away the Bills at home in that first game? There have been some strange results so far, a lot of surprising teams. The worst 3-0 and team is Denver because the Broncos have beaten three winless teams. And I'm not the, – the Raiders are not the best team. But I saw while I was doing my show in Houston this morning, I saw on the uh, on ESPN, it was on the monitor in the studio about uh, the Raiders being overhyped. The Raiders have beaten three teams that won at least 10 games last year. So I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl or they're going to win the division or they're even going to be a wild card team. But based on what we've seen – so far, the Raiders deserve a lot of respect, but I think the team that I still think is the best in the AFC is Buffalo, and then there's a lot of competition right behind the Bills. And uh, as far as the NFC, you know, the Rams, man, Rams. oh, man, beating up on the Buccaneers like they did, that was very impressive. But I, I have to think, guys, that the Rams' lack of a running game is going to bite them in the butt at some point, whether it's regular season or whether it's in the playoffs in their bid to become the second team in a row to win the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Sean McVay's aura continues to grow. Yeah, Jared Goff now 0-10, albeit that 66-yarder, it looked like he was going to get a win without Sean McVay as head coach. He's 0-10 uh, without Sean McVay. And looking at um, uh, McVay's record, excuse me, McVay's record when he has the lead at halftime, he is 40-0 and as a head coach. Wow. That is insane. That's very impressive, and especially since they haven't been a dominant team. That's still very good. And uh, Matthew Stafford right now would be the early leader for the MVP race on, based on what he's just done at this point. But he's, he never had a pressure game early in the season at Detroit like he did on Sunday that could have a lot of meaning in the playoffs as far as home field advantage. So I can't wait to see how the rest of the season plays out. It's always exciting, as always, surprises, good surprises, and bad surprises. Talk about some of the bad teams, John. You touched on them. Uh, and, and Buffalo, 16-and-a-half favorite over Houston. Four other games, Philadelphia, the Jets, the Giants, the Jaguars, all dogs by over a touchdown. That's uh, – Almost a third of the league where games are expected to be decided by at least a touchdown. Feeling like the bad teams are exceptionally bad right now. You see uh, a big fight for the top pick in the draft and for the top five or any of these teams in recoverable territory. And I'm not counting the well, Colts there. Paul, as a team you just mentioned, I don't think the Colts are going to be in the running for a high draft choice. I think they'll be somewhere in the middle of the pack. Texans, rookie quarterback, Davis Mills, third round right now, is playing better than any of those first-round picks picked ahead of him. I wrote a column about that today. It's on our website, texasportsnation.com. The rookie starters are 1-10. in 10. They got like 13 touchdown passes, 17 interceptions. Trevor Lawrence is on a pace for 40 interceptions. That would shatter Peyton Manning's rookie record of 28. Zach Wilson's been awful. Justin Fields played one game on Sunday, couldn't have looked worse. And so uh, Daniel Jones, they're 0-3 with the Giants. And the Giants, boy, you talk about it, they got to 
he's going to have to show a lot of improvement or after three seasons, they're going to have to move ahead. And that might get Gettleman fired because he went way out of rope for him. And then uh, the Giants do have two number one picks. So there's a lot of teams I'm keeping an eye on for after the season when the Texans trade Deshaun Watson, teams that might want a proven veteran quarterback over a rookie. But right now, all these rookies are playing Fields, Mills, they were not supposed to be playing. Mac Jones has one win over the Jets. And so most of the worst teams are being quarterbacked by rookies. And it, you think they might get a little better, but their teams might not. Another one of those rookies having a hard time, Mac Jones, and a guy coming under fire who we've not really seen in a situation like that before is McDaniels. A uh, lot of criticism coming out of New England about really the coaching and the game planning for Mac Jones. I know he's just played his third game, but they don't like what they're seeing in terms of game planning and and helping him out with scheme. Are you surprised to hear uh, McDaniels taking uh, some of the heat there? It's so funny about people don't like game plans. Like here, they uh, Davis Mills, third-round pick, he played at halftime of the Cleveland game. And uh, it was 14-14 when Tyrod Taylor went out. And he got him within a score, and they lost by 10. And then in his first start against Carolina, they were within a score in the fourth quarter, and they protected him. They ran the ball a lot without a running game. They threw a lot of safe passes. He had two scoring drives. And people here want him to open it up. But why in the world would you open it up with a rookie quarterback making his first start? And i tell you something that blew me away. When the Texans played the Browns, Laramie Tunsil did a tremendous job on Miles Garrett. He didn't get close to Mills. And then Garrett complained on social media he'd never been chipped so much. And Tunsil responded, hey, what about when you didn't get chipped? And then their right tackle, Marcus Cannon, did a great job on Clowney. No sacks. So they play the Bears, and it's like the Bears didn't watch what the Texans did and Garrett gets four and a half sacks and Clowney gets two and everybody is killing Matt Nagy for his game plan. And I don't blame him. And then Justin Fields, now they're talking about benching him and going with Nick Foles, three starters in three weeks. So they look very discombobulated. So people complaining about New England's game plan. Jones had a touchdown pass, three interceptions, terrible rating. And, uh, and, you know, two weeks before that, everybody was praising him. I believe McDaniels and Belichick know what they're doing. Well, and John, I was going to ask you about that Bears uh, abysmal offensive performance. We saw two of the worst offensive performances that we may see all season in one week with the Jets getting shut out and then Justin Fields with the Bears. You mentioned the game plan and Nagy admitting that it wasn't good enough moving forward. On the flip side, I want to ask you about the Jets Titans' next opponent, and you've got Zach Wilson. This looks like just an unwinnable situation for him with that Jets team that he's playing with in his rookie year. A lot of times, if you throw a rookie out there before he's ready, you destroy his confidence. You destroy his teammates' confidence in him. If he has a bad game and it's their fault, they're not going to say, oh, it was our fault. They're going to blame him. The fans and the media are going to get mad at the player. And I, I sometimes, you know, if you think about all the guys who sat, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Brett Favre didn't play as a rookie. There was a lot of quarterbacks that didn't play, and it worked out great. 
but they're in a rush. They've known Zach Wilson was going to be the starter since they drafted him. It's the new coach, Robert Solitz. They've never made any bones about the fact he was going to start. Trevor Lawrence was going to start. They knew it. Texans' plan was for Davis Mills to start near the end of the year so they could see what they had. Now they're having to look at him uh, early in the season. But I think if a guy's getting beat up, you better sit him down, let him watch, stick a veteran out there to take the beating, and then come back to the rookie later on and see what he's learned. John, if they don't go back with Fields this week, and there's some talk that Dalton could return, uh, maybe they go with Nick Foles, returning home and facing Detroit, if he's healthy, why not go back with Fields if that's your guy? Well, if he's the guy, they should go back with him, but they just look terribly coached. When you see what uh, Davis Mills was sacked one time on a safety blitz against the Browns, and so then there's nine sacks by the Browns against the Bears. They have one net passing yards, uh, fills through for 68 yards. So that was terrible coaching by the Bears. And I tell you what, if they get beat by the Lions, giving Detroit its first victory, I'm not so sure I wouldn't sit Fields, go with a vet, let Fields watch for about a month, then give him a chance later. But he just didn't look ready to play, and the coaches did a shoddy job of helping him. Aaron Rodgers leads another comeback victory. We'll put that in perspective when we return. Also, Sam Darnold and Carolina, they're rolling. He's leading. We'll get into that. And Brady's return to Foxborough. That's all straight ahead. John McClain with us on OutKick 360. Lines include Brady going back to Foxborough. More on that coming straight up with John McClain. OutKick 360 rolls on from our 6th and Peabody studios right here in Nashville. John, you mentioned the Bears' foolish plan for, uh, for keeping Justin Fields protected against uh, the Browns. He also didn't do anything for Justin Fields. I mean, they, they draft this guy. They didn't do anything different, it felt like, than they did with Andy Dalton in terms of designing rollouts or anything special for him. Um, what do you think of jo uh, Matt Nagy's job security at, at this point for how badly things are going for the Bears? Paul, I thought going into the season, the hottest seat was uh, there were several hot seats for coaches. Vic Fangio at Denver's was the hottest new general manager. Anytime your head coach and a new GM comes in, you know he's got his eye on somebody, and they've started 3-0. and And if they do beat the Ravens, then people will take them seriously. they got to beat some, some team that's actually won a game. And right now you'd have to think Matt Nagy, his seat is really hot, uh, even though he's been to the playoffs. But the fact is, they used that pick on Fields. Now there's reports he didn't want Fields. <laughs> and um, those are things you have to weather as a head coach and as a rookie quarterback who's struggling. He's played in all three games. He started one. If you're going to start him over Nick Foles against the Browns, you might as well start him this game too and see if he shows any improvement. But if they don't, if they don't show some improvement as a team and they keep looking as inept as they were in that game, Matt Nagy is going to be the first coach fired. John, the Lions decide to honor Calvin Johnson, bring him out on the field, and then their fans boo their owner, and Calvin Johnson has to try to quiet the crowd. And then in the second half, they go on to lose by a 66-yard field goal. How about those Lions, John? Lions are right where we thought they'd be. You know, I felt bad for Jared Goff to go from the Rams to the Lions. 
but I was happy for Matthew Stafford, who felt feel like he died and went from hell to heaven and actually have a meaningful regular season game for a change. The Lions and their long-suffering fans, people forget they did win a couple of championships in the 50s. And to lose a game like that on a 66-yard field goal that hits the crossbar and goes in, I'm pretty sure the Lions just said, you know, that's they're used to things like that heartbreaking losses, gut-wrenching losses. And now if they lose this game against a rookie quarterback, which I don't think they will, if Phil starts, I'm going with the Lions because there's no excuse losing to Bears and Justin Fields based on how bad they played against the Browns. That finish with the 66-yarder was happening at the same time Chiefs and Chargers were going on and, uh, and playing there in Kansas City. And Brandon Staley, new head coach, showing that aggressive mentality on the road, in the division, trusting his quarterback, and Herbert comes through with what could be a drive that defines not just his second season in the league, but gets a grip on that division and future rival matchups between Mahomes and Herbert moving uh, down the road here. Give us your thoughts on the Chargers going to Arrowhead and winning and ultimately sending the, the Chiefs to below 500. Brandon Staley made a call that on the surface looked pretty stupid. Had they not made it, he'd have been blasted like crazy as a rookie head coach who'd gone brain dead. But they made it. Some days you're the bug, some days you're the windshield. And they were definitely the windshield against the Chiefs. And then they won the game because Justin Herbert played great. In the column I wrote today about the rookie quarterbacks, I went back and looked like what Josh Allen did for his first three games. Uh, David Culley, the Texans head coach, was a quarterback coach in Buffalo, and he struggled. The one that didn't, Justin Herbert. He wouldn't have played if it wasn't for Tyrod Taylor getting that freak injury in a punctured lung on a needle in the ribs by his doctor. And so Herbert came in, even though they lost the first three games, his rating was triple digits. So it's it's strange the way one guy does it. And don't you guys know that Miami, every time the Dolphins see Justin Herbert, what he's doing for the Chargers, they got to be going, oh, my God. Could have been us. Why did we pick Tua, who's on injured reserve? Yep, for sure. And props to Jacoby Brissett, by the way, going on the road and playing the way he did uh, out in Vegas and sending that game into overtime with the run for the score with two seconds left and then the two-point conversion throw that he made. Uh, outstanding. And then uh, Dolphins, they had chances to win in overtime as well. John, uh, the storyline this week – Let's set the table a bit for Brady's return to Foxborough against the Patriots. Give us your thoughts on just the setting in general that will be taking place at Gillette Stadium and how, how much you're looking forward to watching this game Sunday night. Well, fans, fans knew that when Brady went to Tampa, he'd be playing against the Patriots because they played the AFC East. And, and uh, I'm guessing that they've scalped tickets for Super Bowl kind of money and the buzz I think the buzz would be even bigger if the Patriots were any good they're not very good Brady ought to blow them out but I can't wait you know they'll have a huge tribute you know the fans will give him standing ovations till the game starts then when the game starts they're going to pull against him but I think it'd be better for the Patriots if Brady had won in LA because how many times has he lost back-to-back games since the Patriots got great I don't think there's very many. So he's going to take it out on the Patriots. And you know he's excited. He's talked about it. 
every day this week, and he hasn't shied away from what it means to go back there. And Bill Belichick's talked about it as well. I would love to be in the stands. No, I'd like to be in the press box watching this game. Unfortunately, I'm going to be at my hotel in Buffalo uh, wrapping up the writing and watching it. And I can't, I can't remember a game like this since Brett Favre went back to Green Bay. John, everyone's going to talk about Belichick and Brady this week, and understandably so. I'm thinking about Mac Jones this week. What's it like to be Mac Jones this week, getting ready for that where the opposing legendary quarterback who spent 20 years with that team is going to be receiving a standing ovation when you're getting ready to go out there and play in an NFL game in your rookie year? Chad, like he's, I think he's in a no-lose situation. Nobody expects anything from him. They expect him to play bad, and they expect the Patriots to get obliterated. Anything that he does well is going to be a feather in his cap if they can keep from getting beat by 20 points. I think that'd be positive. What he doesn't want to do is throw a bunch of interceptions like he did against the Saints that helps shorten the field for the Patriots and Tom Brady. And, you know, he played at Alabama. He won a national championship. But sometimes we forget most of these quarterbacks who are playing right now were not three-year starters. Trevor Lawrence was. Justin Fields was not. Davis Mills only started 11 games at Stanford. And Mac Jones started, what, a season and a quarter? And so he's still got so much to learn. And I'm guessing it's going to be a night to remember for him as well because years from now he can tell people, hey, I was the quarterback when Tom Brady came back to Foxborough for the first and I'm guessing only time, let's say 44, 54. He'd be 52 if he plays there a second time. And set the passing record, which he's going to break with 68 yards. You could get into the building, boys, for 350, which stuns me. And it looks like there's a decent number of $350 tickets available in the secondary market. I am surprised by that, by that price. John, let's go back to the all-time passing record. Brady's going to do it. He could do it in the first quarter. Uh, he needs 68 yards. He had 432 yards passing against L.A. last week that sets him up to, to pass Drew Brees in Foxborough. Uh, just the, po- the poetic aspect of that, knowing that Brady can take over that high watermark for quarterbacks and do it against his former team and his former coach where they won all those championships. Well, you know, that would be special for him. He knows he's going to get it. The question is, can he get it in the first quarter? Can he get it on the first drive? Sure, he'd like to just get it over. And when he does it, you know, will the Patriots announce on their scoreboard that he's broken that record? I'm guessing that they won't, but they might. And uh, then he'd get another standing ovation. But uh, I'm sure he'd like to get that out of the way. He's focused on winning. And this one could get ugly. You know, they might score 40 points based on how upset they are to lose to the Rams and, and which was their first defeat. And also the players on the Bucks, they know what this game means to Brady. He may not tell them it's just another game, but they know what it's like when he left up there in Belichick. Belichick's got a losing record without Brady. And um, I don't think that would surprise anybody, but uh, people saying, oh, Belichick wants to prove he can win a Super Bowl with another quarterback. And he wants to win a Super Bowl every year, and he's gotten accustomed to it. It's too bad it had to end that way, but Brady seems to be so happy playing for Bruce Arians in Tampa, living on the water. He's got his boats, his yachts, everything he wants that he couldn't get in New England this time in the winter. And so uh, 
I'm happy for him and I'm happy for Arians. Bruce Arians doesn't get enough recognition to me. He was on his way into retirement when Chuck Pagano called him and asked him to come help him uh, one more one year in Indianapolis, turn that into co-coach of the year and then a head coach at Arizona. Now he's won a Super Bowl and everybody loves B.A. And, you know, this means a lot to him as well. Hey, John, let, let's take a moment to be thankful for the setting. Thank goodness this did not take place last year, this match between Brady going to Foxborough. Amen. Because the fans at Gillette Stadium will make this atmosphere perfect. The only thing missing are the media in the locker room. That media horde would be crazy this week in both cities with all the national press this game is going to get. But thank goodness Patriots fans will be at this game. Yeah, it wouldn't have been the same if it had been, in, in, in say, in Tampa or last year when they couldn't put but 10,000 fans in the stadium. And it's the perfect timing. It's early in the year. And uh, especially I like the fact that the Buccaneers are coming off a loss because Brady, Brady will attack this game with a vengeance, which he probably would have uh, any game. And if, he have, if they have to punt on the first series, you know he's going to be devastated. <laughs> but it might mean he comes back and scores on the next three or four. So it's I I can't wait to see what the rating is going to be for this game, how it's going to stack yes. up all time when you take into consideration the streaming rights. That's very important. Yeah. But you got to think it's going to be one of the highest-rated Sunday night games in history and maybe the highest-rated not involving the Cowboys. What do you think about the state of Ben Roethlisberger? He is throwing for five, under 5.6 yards an attempt which is 25th in the league. That's in range of Mac Jones and Zach Wilson, rookies who are really bad right now. And if you're throwing for that little per attempt, you should be connecting at a really high rate. His completion percentage is 25th in the league. Are we nearing the end for him, or is it too early to start to think about such things? Paul, if you go back to when they won those first 11 last year and you look at the way they collapsed, and then how they've started, as we talked earlier, how in the world did they win at Buffalo? But the thing I noticed about the Steelers, last year they were last in rushing. And I, I wrote that a lot because the Texans were next to last in rushing. So right now, what team has the worst average per carry? I thought it'd be the Texans at 3.3. No, that's next to worst. The worst of the Steelers, 3.2 yards per carry. And that's with Najee Harris, their talented rookie running back who I thought would be NFL offensive rookie of the year. The person that is missing the most seems to be Mike Munchak. Since Mike left there and went to Denver, their offensive line has undergone a lot of changes and they have not been as good. Roethlisberger gets hit more and they can't run. And when you're averaging 3.2 yards of carry, I'm guessing it's putting Roethlisberger in a lot of second, third, and long situations. That's the worst thing you can do for any quarterback. So if there were more balance with the running game like the Steelers seem to have for decades, I think that would be a more accurate barometer about where Big Ben is. But right now, you'd have to think he's getting in the end of the line, and the Steelers might be one of those teams next year that's looking for a new quarterback because they don't have his replacement on the roster. And, John, what about the barometer for the Denver Broncos this weekend? Two former Louisville quarterbacks going head-to-head, Teddy Bridgewater versus Lamar Jackson. Broncos are undefeated. They haven't played a good team yet. 
How much are we going to find out about this Broncos team this weekend? I'll tell you this. If they do beat Jackson and they and they can avoid losing on a 66-yard field goal, they might kick one 76 yards up there. I think that uh, people will take the Broncos seriously. The AFC West has turned out to be pretty good. And uh, it looked like the NFC West. It's weird. When you look at the NFC West, you see Seattle last place. Look at the AFC West, Kansas City, always at the top. Chiefs are not. So if Den- I don't expect Denver to win, but if they do, I'll take my hat off to Vic Fangio and the, Bron- the 4-0 Broncos. John, if L.A., the Rams, they are the top team in the NFC. I think most would have Tampa number two. Who's number three? In the NFC, well, first of all, uh, Arizona's unbeaten. I have a hard time putting Arizona uh, in that spot. But if the Cardinals were to win this weekend before no, you'd have to put them up there. And uh, the NFC, I don't think overall is as good as the AFC. I think the Rams and Buccaneers are destined to play again in the playoffs, probably in L.A. What are the odds that Stafford's going to beat Brady two times in one season? But uh, those two are clearly first and second. Tell you, the Cowboys looked really good last night, despite Mike McCarthy's clock management. But still, they beat Philadelphia. I don't see anybody from the NFC East being up there. The Saints have been surprisingly good with Jameis Winston, but they're not up there. And then in the West, I don't see it 2-1 and one San Francisco. Green Bay's 2-1. and one. If you think about the last two games, maybe. I'm guessing the third best to me. If I had the Packers and the Cardinals playing, I'm going to take the Packers every time because of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and Rodgers is playing like the reigning MVP of these last two weeks uh, with six touchdown passes, no interceptions, and you get him the football with – 38 seconds to go, and that's all she wrote. You know they're going to win. And you can't tell people, when you were watching him celebrate at the end of that game, watching when Crosby kicked the 51-yard field goal, Rogers' reaction, you know, you can't tell me he wants out of there right now. He might want to out of there after the season. But, man, to pull out that game the way they did, such such tough circumstances with no timeouts, I guess none. Of, some people seem to be surprised. We shouldn't be because Rodgers is one of the all-time best. We have some tremendous quarterbacking that's been going on in the NFL. And and going back to Peyton Manning and Drew Brees, they're out now. Brady's still in. All these other quarterbacks, the young guys, it is a pleasure to cover them and to watch them because you never know. It's like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get from weekend to weekend because some of those guys are like magicians pulling rabbits out of the hat. And right now, Aaron Rodgers is at the front of the stage. And people hunt, were writing Rodgers off. The man bun, Armando Sergueiro, wrote, wrote a column about the NFL today. Man bun, disinterested, all of that stuff after one yeah. game. And two games later, he's right back at the top of the yeah, list. Yeah, it goes back to his mantra of relax, yeah. right? That, that's exactly what they've done. The Packers will host Pittsburgh this week at Lambeau. Uh, meanwhile, John, I, I think two teams in the NFC, we find out really what they're about this coming weekend. You mentioned Dallas. Dallas lost on the road on that Thursday night against Tampa. Brady it, with that last second drive, last minute drive. Uh, they beat the Chargers on the road, then beat the Eagles last night. 
they will host Carolina this weekend. And Carolina, being led by Sam Darnold, is a much different team, albeit now without Christian McCaffrey. And I'm not sure how good Carolina is right now, period, without Christian McCaffrey on offense. Big game for Dallas coming up to continue to extend their lead in the NFC. I watched Carolina beat the Texans. It was 17-9 in the fourth quarter, and that was without McCaffrey. He had not played since the first quarter. They lost their rookie corner, J.C. Horn. They traded for C.J. Henderson from Jacksonville to try to replace him. But uh, Darnold threw for 300 yards, no touchdowns, but he ran for two, including the winning touchdown that put it away. But I don't see them being a division winner. I don't still don't see them being a playoff team over in New Orleans. I thought that Matt Rules would start to get serious about playoff contention next season, and it's going to be so hard without McCaffrey. He went down last year for the season, but Darnold's playing a lot better, and now he's got even more pressure on his shoulders. I look for the Cowboys to win that game. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They've connected on four touchdowns already through three weeks. Not a ton of passing yardage for Joe Burrow. He's middle of the pack uh, to right below the, the average line. But the rookie, Chase, has, has picked up where he left off in the college season, and now he's connecting with his former quarterback at LSU. He opted out last season at LSU. He dropped a lot of balls in preseason. He had a lot of criticism. Now he's off to a great start. If I'm trying to promote Jacksonville and Cincinnati on Thursday night, I'm promoting the number one pick in the last two drafts. Sure. Trevor Lawrence this year, Joe Burrow last year. Burrow got off to a much better start than Lawrence did before he blew out his knee. And that's the players I want to watch. I want to watch the two passing games. Lawrence has got some talented receiver, but he doesn't have a receiver like that. Yeah. And Chase is special, and he's been special since uh, he had that great year two years ago. They had so much talent on that LSU team right up there with some of the Alabama teams. Difference is Alabama does it every year, and it was one shot for LSU. But I can't wait to see these young quarterbacks and see if uh, if Joe Burrow, when he gets all the way back from the knee surgery, and Trevor Lawrence in his fourth game, see if he can quit turning it over. Yeah, I, I've said the last couple of weeks, the good news in Jacksonville is Trevor Lawrence is their best player on their roster. The bad news is the rookie quarterback is their best player on their roster. And that's just where they are right now as a franchise. Uh, also really bad, John, the city of New York and their teams. The Jets and the Giants, uh, winless, and they've been outscored 144-76 to 76 in three weeks. How bad can it get in the Big Apple for pro football? Giants owner John Marrow said I'd be booing too, and he might be up in his owner's box. You know, they both drafted quarterbacks very highly. They've had high draft picks. Uh, Giants had Saquon Barkley. They've had some bad luck, some bad coaching. But the only good thing about New York right now, hockey starting, basketball starting, and the Yankees are in a wild card race. And that may not last the, for more than a week. The pizza's good. We can also say that. That's one of the good things about New York. By the way, Clark Judge uh, pointed out uh, on Twitter, over the past 10 seasons, the Giants and Jets are, are a combined 20 and 49 in the month of September, meaning they go into October without a hope or a prayer of the postseason. They're done after the quarter. Well, I feel bad for their fans, but you know what? 
Giants won two Super Bowls. Jets <laughs> won a Super Bowl. There's a lot of cities that have won no Super Bowls. But it is interesting to me when you go into a season and they start like that and you have no hope after that. The only thing they could hope for with the Giants is maybe the Cowboys have injuries like Dak Prescott last year and you can win the division with a 7-9 and nine record as Washington did last year. Or in the Jets' case, they have no hope. You got a rookie head coach and Robert Sala, rookie quarterback and Zach Wilson, and they are suffering big time. And the only thing they could do is if they got on a roll at the end of the season, maybe finish a distant second. But I don't think any of us would predict that to happen. Right now, the Jets might be the worst team in the league. They're still loyal as hell. I got a high school friend that reached out to me. Hey, can we catch up to you at MetLife before Jets Titans this weekend? <laughs> Like, yeah, if you're punishing yourself for that game, <laughs> I, I'm going for work. I don't know what your excuse is, but I'd love to catch up. John, thank you as always. We always look forward to having you on. You crushed it yet again. We will catch up with you next week. Enjoy Thanks, NFL Week 4. Thanks, John. Jonathan, Paul, Chad Lack, thank you guys very much. Keep up the great work. Same to you. At McLean underscore on underscore NFL. He is the great John McLean. Uh, talking NFL with us each and every Tuesday. Coming up, some quarterback storylines on the stat line that may surprise you the leading passers and the leading rushers at the position that's next on outkick 360 some interesting quarterback notes across the nfl welcome back outkick 360 you can find the podcast wherever you download your podcast that will be back up today after today's show we appreciate you on that there are four nfl quarterbacks that have at least 100 yards rushing this season. Can you guys name them? Four running backs that have at least 100 yards Quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. Qu- quarterbacks. Well, um, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Yes. Ryan Tannehill probably got over that. Tannehill is right at exactly 100 yards rushing through three weeks. Daniel Jones. Yes. Daniel Jones at 161. He is in second place for NFL runners at quarterback. Consider that. Josh Allen. No. I haven't seen the other Josh one. Sa- the other one fits the the mold of what he did in college. Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts. Oh, yes, of course. But we the, saw him last yeah, night. Yeah, big, I, I was intrigued because week. it's not Kyler Murray, it's not Patrick Mahomes, it's not Josh Allen. They're not even close. I mean, they're in the top ten. They're not top five. But it's there are four quarterbacks that have rushed for a hundred. There are three. Josh Allen ha- hasn't needed to. There are three quarterbacks who have passed for 1,000 yards already on the season. Brady. Tom, Tom Brady. Yes. Dak Prescott. No. Oh. Joe Burrow? Nope. Joe Burrow's not close. Josh Allen? Nope. Again, these are surprising. because Matthew Stafford? No. These are not your typical names. It, Consider what we've seen. Derek Carr. Derek Carr is number one. Kirk he has Cousins. A, over 1,200 yards passing. Kirk, Kirk Cousins, Cousins is, is not. Duncan and Duncan. No. The top three. The, the, the top three because they've thrown for 1,000. Derek Carr at 1,200. Tom Brady at 1,087. And Kyler Murray at 1,005. Kyler Murray is not in the top five rushers at quarterback. He's already passed for 1,000 yards through three weeks. Yeah, it's really impressive and what Arizona That's where he should be, done. especially it's not just he, but that receiving core that he has. That, is, that should be in line with his statistics. 
because he's got a lot of weapons to throw to. I'm curious where they are overall rushing. Um, yeah, they're at the Chase bottom. Yeah, it's not good, not good yeah. because their rushing would be coming from Kyler Murray, and it's not. Uh, interesting just to look where other quarterbacks rank here. Uh, like Baker Mayfield's middle of the pack in that, in the uh, passing yards. Joe Burrow has not even passed for 700 yards yet. He on had the one season. really bad game in the middle there. Week two, he didn't do anything. Ryan Tannehill is 20th in passing with 756 yards through three weeks. Consider See, that Derek Carr has 1,200. The thing there is it always skews, like, if you're really good at one side, and this is why Arizona not running well doesn't surprise me when you tell me that Kyler Murray's one of three guys over 1,000 yards. Because if you're really good at one, you're generally – there isn't room statistically for you to be really good at the other. So Derek Henry – has carried more than anybody else and, and is the leading rusher, right? Yes. So there's not that much room for Tannehill to, to I, have, I, have See, I, I disagree. If I'm looking at a team that can do both exceptionally well and there is room for both, it's the Titans. And I, I think the lack of yeah, production is not because of Tannehill, it's because offensively. of offensive line and well, A.J. Brown. that's what's been so surprising about it. They've sucked in their passing. Yeah, A.J. Brown has not been good. And that's been the big surprise, and that's why those numbers and the offensive line. But almost always, if you see a team that's in the top five in a category offensively, even if they're pretty good in the other category, they're more like 16th. They're, it's very rare for a team to be top five in one of those categories and be top 10 in the, in the other. It's just the seesaw effect of the total yardage stuff. If you're top 10 in both, you're supremely good gifted good team and you're gaining a slew of yards total yardage top five right now the Raiders lead the league in offense 471 yards and is what they average Jacobs played the opener and has been out hurt Uh, Arizona second they average 432 yards the Minnesota Vikings are third in offense with 425 and I've mentioned I've mentioned the last couple of weeks with the Vikings they don't have a winning record but they, they go 10 yards and in, and they just methodically move down the field. It's their defense That's that the has issue. really screwed them. That's why Zimmer's going to be fired. Well, uh, the, Raven, the Kirk, Ravens and Cowboys are the round out the top five. I only guess Kirk Cousins because I think he threw for over 380 this past weekend with a lot of dinking and dunking down the field. Well, and it came in the second half. He has uh, Cousins has completed over 70% of his passes. Eight touchdowns, no interceptions. They should get more chunk plays than they do based on Thielen and Jefferson. Now, contrary to that, I sent you a note about the Raiders who had a billion chunk plays over, over the weekend. Yeah, they throw it up top over 20 yards a lot. How many plays over 20 well, yards you did they have? Me. Yeah, I don't Al have Davis, it fingertips. Al it's Davis an unbelievable number of, uh, of chunk plays. It's a remarkable statistic. The Raiders had 10 plays of 20-plus yards this weekend, which is, is sick. That's tied for the most by any offense in a single game over the past five years. And it's not just one guy. This is from Shield Capadia of uh, The Athletic. Las Vegas had five different players with at least one catch of 20-plus yards. That's fantastic. I mean, yeah, That's you're excellent. right. Al Davis is uh, applauding from wherever he is. Buffalo's not, offense not in the top ten in yards per game right now. Well, that, that course, the says good either. things about Buffalo having found some defensive stuff that they la- – we, we talked about this. They Last year they didn't run the ball well, and they didn't 
uh, rush the passer well, and they found some of those things. Funny enough, the Rams are also not top ten in offense right now in yardage. That surprises me. In yardage. That does surprise me. Well, Coming the one up, time we saw my the TV, Tennessee Power Hour. We'll talk Titans. There's some player movement on the roster today. Balls as they prepare for Missouri and much more. That is all straight ahead on OutKick 360.